0: Well, good morning. If you have a copy of the Bible near you, find our gospel passage that Sam just read, John chapter 21, verses 15 to 19. Now, notice the very first verse in our scripture reading, John 21, verse 15, when they had finished breakfast. So we're starting um, in the middle of a story. If you were with us last week, you may remember that after Jesus was raised from the dead, a few of his disciples, some of his core followers, went fishing one night. And they didn't catch anything. And uh, we read about this in the first 14 verses of John 21. And so early in the morning, as they were finishing their failed fishing trip, um, they noticed that Jesus was on the shore and he was cooking breakfast over a charcoal fire. We learned that in verse 9. And he calls out to them and he eventually he invites them to eat with him. And so here we get in verse 15, they've just finished that meal when they had finished that breakfast that he had invited them to. Then, apparently, Peter and Jesus go for a walk. Now, I say apparently because notice verse 20. In verse 20, Peter turned and saw the disciple, whom Jesus loved, following them. So, apparently, this whole conversation that we're going to look at this morning plays out after breakfast. And while they've gone on some sort of walk that Peter trails behind or something on. So, this conversation. It's early in the morning. Now imagine this, okay? Imagine that Peter's worked all night, right? Um, so he's tired. But he's just had a breakfast cooked for him, which is a lovely experience. And, he, and he's there with Jesus. And so Im- imagine the sound of the water, feel the wind on your skin, and then hear Jesus ask this question. Do you love me? Do you love me more than these guys? Now, the interesting thing is that these words are probably provoking Peter's memory because he had made a claim that his loyalty and his love and his faithfulness was more than these guys. This goes back to chapter 13. So hold yourself, hold, hold your place in John chapter 21 and turn back to chapter 13. Find chapter 13. I gotta fix my collar here, okay. In John chapter 13, Peter insisted loudly and emphatically, that he, out of all the disciples, would stay true to Jesus, would not fall away, would follow him to the end. In John chapter 13, it's interesting because that conversation is also after a meal. It parallels this one. In John chapter 13... Jesus has just had the last supper with his followers and he's preparing them for what's about to happen. He's trying to prepare them. He's he's being very gentle in letting them know that he's about to be taken from them. And then we get to verse 36, John 13, verse 36. Peter says, "What, what? (laughs) Lord, where are you going? As if, you know, he had not been listening for the past 13 chapters, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus answered, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. Now, now remember that spot. We're going to come back to that. And Peter said to him, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Nothing would stop me from following you. Name one thing. I would die for you. What, what, what would keep me from following you? He, he's insisting rather loudly that he will not fall away from Jesus. He will be loyal and true. He will follow him no matter what. He will follow him to prison, to death, to wherever. He will die for Jesus. And Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you've denied me three times. Okay. Now, that's the setup. Now, fast forward five chapters. Go to chapter 18. In chapter 18, it's all happening. Jesus is being passed around through the night from one corrupt courtroom to another. And sure enough, Peter, true to his word, is following Jesus. He follows Jesus through these crazy trials he goes through. And just like Jesus said, it all goes horribly wrong. And as the night goes on, we watch Peter try to be loyal to Jesus, but fail miserably. And then again, and then again. And when all is said and done, on three different occasions, he vehemently denied That he even knew Jesus. And on the third time when he did it, Jesus looks across the courtyard and catches Peter's eye. And the rooster crows three times. And Peter sees Jesus see him in his grotesque failure. And he just runs off in shame. Angry with himself, humiliated, hurt, knowing that Jesus knows, the other disciples know, God knows. Now imagine the following day when Peter hears what happened after he left Jesus nailed to a cross, dead. Now, look, if you've ever done something really bad, awful, shameful, then you know that even the cross is no magic wand for your memories of what you did. That even the joy of the resurrection can't do some Harry Potter magic and take away from you the wound in your memory. Now go back to John 21, our passage. Remember it started at breakfast. Breakfast over a charcoal fire. The reason that matters is because Peter's three denials occurred at a charcoal fire. John chapter 18 verse 18 Why would Jesus do that? Why would Jesus start a charcoal fire? Take Peter on a walk and say to him, "Do you love me?" And then ask him again, "Do you love me?" And then again, "Do you love me?" Why three times? Why the fire? Because there is more to God's work in our life than some legal, your slate is clean. What Jesus is doing here is he is gently exposing the buried hurt. He's drawing it out. He's uncovering it. He's taking Peter back there in his memory. Smell provokes memory. Everything about this is set up to where Jesus is like this master counselor saying, now let's go back. What did you see? What did you smell? He's taking Peter back to the deep fear, the unhealed failure, the awful sin, and he's gently exposing it so that he can deal with it in love. You see, there is no magic wand for our shame, our sin, our guilt. Here is God in the flesh, walking along the beach in private with his friend who betrayed him. And notice how gentle he's being. When I read these words, I hear Jesus saying, Peter, do you love me? And I hear Jesus provoking Peter to recognize he does love him. Because he does. But have you ever sinned so much that you think, well, I must not be saved. I must not really love him. I must not have faith. I must not believe enough. Maybe it wasn't real back then when I got baptized or when I made a profession of faith. Do you see what he's doing to Peter? He's saying, but wait, wait, wait. Do you love me? And Peter finds in Jesus' gentle, loving presence the truth about himself. I do love you. You know everything, and you, you know that I love you. One of the first things we're told about Jesus in John's gospel is behold, which in John's gospel means look in your imagination, see what I'm about to point out. Behold, Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus died on the cross for Peter's sin. Yeah, he did. And he did that, John 3, 16 says, because he loved Peter. But look at Jesus here on the beach, applying that to Peter, personally. I didn't just die for the sins of the world. Peter, I didn't just die for your sins in theory or in technical detail. I actually care about forgiving you of all and each of your sins. Not only did he die for Peter's sins out of love, what we see in this passage is that he does the further application of that in love. See, I think some of us have bought into John 3.16, that he died for us out of love, but we imagine the way he applies it to us is with a stick. But it's not. I mean, there is a sense in which the cross officially cleared our record But there's still the memories. There's still still the shame. And, and, And reflecting on what Jesus did on the cross doesn't necessarily deal with the particulars of your particular failure. You see, our world makes it really hard for some of us to believe that we have a soul. And that the things we do in our souls, in our bodies, mark and stain our soul. But the Bible teaches us that humans, were bodies and souls. And what we do with our bodies, stains our souls, marks our souls, shapes them. And what we do in our souls, gets ingrained into the DNA in the cells of our bodies. And so our world teaches us to act like we don't need Jesus's forgiveness, his crucifixion, and his resurrection really in our lives, but we do. Look at Peter here. He's wounded, and what we're seeing is the healing not only through the technical forgiveness, but the actual experience of forgiveness and the healing of his memories and the finding of forgiveness that goes back to the shameful thing done in the dark. And here is Jesus so lovingly, gently dealing with it and healing it. And notice, when Jesus goes for a walk with Peter, he goes right for it. He goes right for the pain. And he takes it away. Do you love me? And then he helps Peter see that he actually does. And each time Jesus doesn't pat him on the back and say, oh, okay, it's good then. No, instead he says, okay, I have a job for you. It's, it's, this is interesting, isn't it? Do you love me? Yes, I do do X, do this thing, do, do this for me. Which is a tremendous kind of um, sign of forgiveness. I mean, Because the thing he asked him to do is the thing Jesus is supposed to do. John 10, Jesus is the good shepherd. So it's not that he just says, okay, go off now and leave me. He says, okay now, Peter, you do my work. I mean, imagine, this is such a tremendous act of love. Jesus is the good shepherd. It's Jesus who leads and feeds his sheep and his lambs, and he guides them to good pasture, and he keeps them safe from predators. That's God's work. That's what Jacob said back in Genesis 48, our Old Testament reading. The God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walk, the God who has been my shepherd my whole life. That's the God walking down the beach. That's the work of God that he then entrusts to Peter. That's real forgiveness. That's restoration. That's like, you're all the way back in, man. Peter, of all people, I mean, when we look at this passage, no matter how far you've fallen away, no matter what your mistakes are, no matter how bad you've betrayed Jesus, Jesus takes disqualified people and entrusts them to do his special work. You can return to Jesus. And if you do, he will be gentle with you. He will forgive you and heal you and offer you good, meaningful work that is very important to him. He wants to help you find your love for him. And I think there's a lot of us who think that because we did this or that bad thing, we must not love him enough And we need him to do this with us. Jesus wants to help you find that deep down inside of you place where you love him. But notice, our love for Jesus, it's to be put into practice in a particular way. Not by an emotional upward outburst in some hyper experiential worship experience. Okay, Peter, then worship me really emotionally. Now, there's a place for that. I love that. I'm just saying that's not what he's calling him to do here. What he calls him to do is Peter, he draws out Peter's love. You love me? Now express it how? Not upward, but outward. Express it by taking really good care of those I've entrusted to you. That's how I want you to manifest and express this love for me your friends, your neighbors. Love them, care for them, take care of them, because you love me. Who has God entrusted to you? Your parents, your children, your siblings, your neighbors, your clients, your employers, your employees, your coworkers, your friends your enemies they're entrusted to you and on the on the love of that you have for Jesus care for them and Jesus gives this is his work that he gives to you not so that you can earn forgiveness No, 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 no. That's not how this works. That's not what's going. Jesus didn't tell Peter, feed my sheep and then we'll get to the forgiveness part. We can't earn forgiveness. That, That never works. You can never pay off a debt like that. Forgiveness is the gift God gives. He paid the price for it on the cross. It's grace from start to finish. Three times he asked Peter, do you love me? Three times Peter says, I do. And Jesus says, all right, express that love. Out of that love, be a good shepherd to those I give you. And then in verse 18, Jesus does another thing that is a reminder to Peter of those fateful earlier experiences. Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you. He's only said that to Peter one other time. And it was at the end of that other meal in John 13. When he told Peter that he was going to deny him. And he's, he's again working in the same wound. And he says, Peter, when you were young... You used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted, but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show him by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me, which is what Peter wanted to do all along. That's what Peter wanted to do and he brings him right back to that place. Peter is going to get to do what in his pride and in maturity he bragged about doing. He's going to get to do all of what he bragged about doing. He's going to get to lay down his life for Jesus. And Jesus is here saying back to Peter, you were right. And I know you can do it. I know that you can follow me all the way to your death. And I know that you love me and that you will do what I've done. You will lay down your life for the sheep. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Following Jesus is not a beautiful walk in a rose garden, and it is not a triumphant storming of the capital. Following Jesus is martyrdom. It entails suffering and persecution and being hated and giving up your life 1,000 times. And for some in this world, physically. But don't miss the point here. The point is Jesus is saying back to Peter, it is in you. I know it, you know it, and you can do it. And you can do it because I've already taken the steep road of the cross, and I defeated death, and by my life and the joy of the new creation, you're going to now be able to do what you so wanted to be able to do, but you couldn't. Look look at it this way. In the words of one of my friends, his name is Jason Hood. He wrote in a remarkable book, listen to this, it is one thing to attempt to carry a cross alone. It is another to travel with a friend who has borne a cross for us and secured for us resurrection. He will not bear our crosses for us, but he whispers promises of our glory and enthronement as we stumble toward our lesser Calvaries. When we read the book of Acts, we see Peter did it. He came home to Jesus and then devoted his life to delighting in his will and walking in his ways and he messed up from time to time but he took care of the people Jesus entrusted him and he loved Jesus and whatever you've done, yes, Jesus knows. And still, he died for you, and he will forgive you and heal you and turn, and he will bless you and give you the ability to do what you long to be able to do. So turn from your sin. And when you do, you're not turning into the hands of an angry God. You're turning into the hands of a gentle God. Turn from your sin and center your life on loving the Lord Jesus. That's what matters most. All of us need to have regular times where we come back to Jesus and let him ask us, do you love me? And let him draw out of us, yes, I do. And we need to say, Lord, help me then. Help me to keep loving you. Help me to love you more fully. And devote yourself to walking in his ways and loving others. And don't be surprised when you suffer because you're a Christian. And when you do suffer because you're a Christian, it will bring glory to God and he will be with you in it. Let's pray.